Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 76 of Dean Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is the silver wormling known as Bed Bumhopper. I'm only a worm. Well, I guess I'm not that old. So, yeah, okay, I'm good with that. It kind of fits, right? It kind of fits. Yeah. But, you, but I, silver is good because, like, you really like people. Yeah, I do. Um, and, and if you'd call me actually a young dragon, that would have put me over 100. I'm definitely not that old. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to keep it all all in perspective. It's very complimentary, and, and I appreciate that. It's kind of like, uh, uh, I don't know if you've been watching Rings of Power. I have not uh, yet. It's, it's, it's so good. I've, I've really enjoyed it so far. Uh, but one of the things I really liked about that is they had a really great interaction between uh, the elves and dwarves where the, the dwarf was mad that the elf hadn't seen him for a while. You know, it's and the elf's like, it's only been 20 years. And I was just like, <laughs> huh, that's a that's a really cool like. For for beings that live are immortal or you know live thousands of years yep. or whatever like that, twenty years is nothing. It's That's like, just I just saw you two days ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so when he like when you're talking like like an immortal or incredibly long lived race, and this could, I mean, we could this is D and D tips, I guess too. Yeah. Uh, when you're talking, it's it's an interesting mindset to get into because they don't see time in the same way as like a human would see time or even exactly. somebody who lives two or 300 years would see time. Um, yeah. In fact, I brought this up in uh, one of my sessions when a half elf um, was talking to his father, because half elves live generally about, you know, a normal like human lifespan. He was talking to his full, full blooded elf father. And he, the, the father said immediately to him, it's like, you're not looking at the long-term, you know, timeline of this. Like, sure. You're seeing the, the, the spark of, you know, uh, and, uh, cause what is the actual effect over time? And it was yeah, kind of an interesting perspective. Decades and centuries of what these things might be, where someone else might be looking what happens next year, what mm -hmm. happens in the next five years. Exactly. You know, type thing. That's really cool. Um, yeah, but yeah, no rings of power is definitely something I want to watch. Um, I do have to say that I, I find it funny seeing clickbait articles like, uh, will Gal Galadriel live in the season finale and, and things like that. I'm just like, have you seen Lord of the Rings? Have you read it? Do you it's know all going to roughly end up that <laughs> spoiler alert. It's roughly going to end up uh, into feeding into Lord of the Rings. So. <laughs> Yeah, certain <laughs> characters are probably going to live. <laughs> yeah. If it's a character you've never heard of before, those are the ones to probably be worrying about a little more so than uh, than the other ones. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. It was a it was kind of a cool just like a, a cool thing that they threw in. So I thought I thought that was kind of interesting. Just the, the concept of time. So keep mm -hmm. that in mind for your D&D &D games, because uh, that is uh, an interesting thing where your long lived things may be scheming for the larger picture where the larger picture equals, you know, 50 or a hundred years versus some human who's scheming for the next year or the next decade or something. Exactly. Like 
I mean, unless they're they're looking at it like, you know, my bloodline is going to keep going for years and years. But even then, you can't really scheme that when you can't control what your, you know, grandkids are going to be doing. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so anyways, just kind of a cool thought. Um, so this week, we've got some really cool things to talk about. Uh, the first of which is a new one D&D Unearth Arcana dropped uh, roughly, you know, a week, week or so ago. Uh, and this one has uh, a bunch of stuff in it, some feats, some rules stuff. Uh, and then our first look at some ideas for the new classes, mm-hmm. uh, specifically the rogue, the bard and the ranger. Uh, so we're going to kind of talk through this a little bit. Um, and I guess I, I wanted to dive right in with the uh, what is a class piece. Uh, there's there's a new concept they're doing for one D&D called class groups. And, and I really, really like cool. this. I really like this a lot. And I'll go through these real fast and I'll tell you why. So they have the experts, which will be the bard, the ranger, the rogue and the artificer. Then mages, which are sorcerer, warlock, wizard, priests, which are cleric, druid, paladin, and warriors, which are barbarian, fighter, monk. So these are just kind of general class groups that they can throw these classes under. And I really like the concept and idea behind this because now in these books, if something is specific to... A specific class, they can say that class name, but if something is specific to a group or they want like a set of feats to apply to a group or certain spells to apply to a group or certain, I don't know, characteristics or mechanics or whatever to apply to a group, they can just say this mechanic applies to experts. This mechanic applies to mages. This applies to priests. This applies to warriors. Mm -hmm. And you'll know what they're talking about because they're listed under. But that's that's kind of just small picture stuff. Big picture. This opens up their design framework incredibly, because if we look at the history of D&D 5e, we've only ever gotten one new class, and that's the Artificer. Mm-hmm. That is the only new class that has joined, and a lot of stuff had to be very customized to it or kind of redone or, uh, you know, unearthed Arcana errata basically out of the thing so that the artificer could get certain things to apply to it. Now going forward, they have these class groups. And so if they wanted to add a new class, uh, I'm not going to throw anything out. Cause I, I don't like there's there's <laughs> honestly, there's an, an incredible amount of, really good third party classes that work incredibly well and they are fully unique yeah. just like the warden i've i've seen uh mcdm's ill rigor or beast heart or you know um we've we've mentioned the uh uh the uh, of course i can't remember the name of it we've it's it used the the prism uh oh. class yeah, I can't remember. Either. We've mentioned it. We've mentioned it a few times. Um, uh, but yeah, there's so there's a lot of 
there's a lot of design space for fully new classes. Like subclasses are great, but sometimes a theme just will not fit fully under a subclass. Yeah. And and so just from all these third parties, we know and they're a lot of fun to play. They're good. We know there's good design space. And so what Wizards is doing here is they're opening that design space up for themselves officially to where instead of having to shoehorn a new class in like the Artificer, they can just say, here's a new class. It is a mage. Here's a new class is an expert. Here's a new class. It's a priest or a warrior. Mm -hmm. And then all the stuff that applies to expert mage, priest or warrior, then automatically applies to that new class. So they don't have to go back and redo everything every time a new class comes out. Yeah. Something that I would uh, kind of like to potentially see as well is, you know, some of the subclasses actually being fully upgraded into full classes on their own. Um, you know, like the samurai or ninja or something like that just immediately comes to mind, even though they're a, you know, a, a subclass of like, say a fighter um, having them actually, you know, kind of grow up into a full class itself would be pretty cool. And I think that this is, or it has potential of opening up the door for that. I, th I think just based upon this, that we will see multiple new full classes mm -hmm. post one D and D. Yeah. Post I, the, I the 2024. I don't know if we'll get anything initially. I'm sure the artificial will be brought in as a, you know, quote unquote base class in the, the player's handbook. Well, it, it does um, actually say that um, the artificer is also an expert, uh, but because it appears in Tasha's and Eberron, uh, it's not in the player's handbook. At least that's what they're going with with this play test right now. Yeah, I hopefully I'm hoping that. Uh, well, it, this is I'm hoping they will bring that into the player's handbook mm -hmm. as its own thing for one D&D. &D, yeah, for the for the 2024 thing. Uh, but it is not specifically covered in this UA. Um, and this UA is covering all the rest of the the experts. Yeah, with a single um, subclass in each. Yeah, with a single subclass in each. But they said, I think, uh, all together, they're planning on the new player's handbook having 48 different subclasses for all the, all the current classes. Uh, so good. there will be quite a, a nice selection of base stuff just in the player's handbook, which will be nice. Well, if they split it evenly, that'll be four subclasses for each class. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be not a, too bad. That'll be a that'll be a nice, yeah, the nice amount to to start out with mm -hmm. for sure. Um uh you noted uh ritual casting. Ritual yes. casting has changed completely. Basically every class that can cast spells is automatically just going to get ritual casting now. Which is great. You don't need a feat for it. You don't need to have the spell like actually, you know, uh prepared in order to do it because i mean some classes you needed to actually have the spell learned in order to be able to use it as a ritual so uh for things like say a, a bard having a ritual available to you doesn't necessarily mean that it's great it uses one of your known spells which i mean that's gonna change with bards coming up which i mean i'm just gonna jump right into it because yeah do it, do it. yeah um so okay i play a lore bard in plus five to hit so i immediately kind of jumped to that considering this covers you know bard ranger and rogue and 
oh my gosh, there's so many really cool and interesting things that are coming through with this that I I personally am super excited for. Um, like again, first of all, uh, bards they they know all the spells. They prepare them every day, as opposed to you know only knowing say like okay, I know five spells, and then that's kind of it. Um, the what they were kind of finding you know through play and everything is that a lot of bards would choose more combat focused spell casting because I mean, well, For good reasons. Yeah. You're going to be You've in got a, a fight. very limited selection. You need to live. <laughs> yeah. Um, versus, you know, some really cool, t- uh, um, utility stuff. I am super happy with that because it, it's, it's pretty sweet. Now, one of the things is that it is going to stick to, um, Oh shoot. What was the spell list? It's one of the specific spell lists, uh, the arcane one, the arcane um, list, but you can only pull spells from divination, enchantment, illusion, or transmutation, which totally makes sense. But <coughs> excuse me. Um, they actually changed something really cool with magical secrets. So before magical secrets was you can choose spells from, you know, like other spell lists or, or things that you, you can't know. Now you choose one whole spell list and then you can pull spells from that. So like, let's say um, you want to go, you know, maybe heal heavy pull from the divination spell list. Uh, If you want to go, you know, deep into arcane stuff, you choose the arcane spell list. And then at level 15, you choose another spell list. So essentially you get two full spell lists to, to prepare your spells with every single day. And I just, that blew my mind. I thought that was actually absolutely amazing and gives a a bard just a a lot of versatility and, you know, the ability to do a ton of different stuff. And I mean, how exciting is that? Um, Yeah, that's, that's super cool. And I I think we should note too. And I think we, we mentioned this uh, because this was briefly mentioned in the, the first one D and D unearthed arcana, but the, the spell lists have changed. Mm-hmm. into three lists uh arcane divine and primal lists yes um and depending on the the list that those classes the different classes use different lists the spell schools are not gone in the arcane stuff from what i understand yeah all the the, the spell schools are still there um they've just kind of unified again it, it seems more like you know the class groups we now have spell groups. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, one other really cool thing that's changing is uh, Bardic Inspiration is actually changing. Um, you still get the, hey, give my my buddy inspiration. They get the diet that they get to hold on to. But there's actually a reactive uh, component being added to it. Um, first off, if someone near you gets hit, you can use your Bardic Inspiration to give some some hit points back with your, you know, by just rolling your die. Um, also you can do a retroactive, oh, they failed their thing. I'm going to give them inspiration using my reaction. And then again, you roll the die for it and, and hope that they get it. It's, it's one of those things where as a bard, there's nothing more frustrating than giving someone inspiration and then seeing them roll really high. So they never need to use it, or they just kind of, you know, forget that they have it and, or they choose not to use it. And you're using a resource that doesn't end up actually getting used. So it's really nice that way. Plus um, there is a feel uh, a feature where if you uh, roll a one at higher levels, you get your inspiration back. Like the one still gets added on, but you get that back. And it's just, 
adding so much more utility to inspiration, which in my opinion is like one of the big differences and, and best things that a bard can bring to uh, a party. Yeah. And we should also note, and I like that a lot of design mechanisms are moving this way. It's going to be based on prof uh, your proficiency bonus. Mm -hmm. Yes. Not your charisma modifier anymore, which I like. I like um, in a lot of ways. I, I like that they're moving towards more things using proficiency bonus or like the this many uses per short rest or this many uses per long rest. Uh, it's a great built in mechanism that scales over levels. Exactly. Um, and it's it's a great, great way to use it. So, so like, I, I like that it does that. Yeah. If you roll really poorly as a, you know, for your stats and stuff, you're still going to have the same types of, of you know, features, just the same same number of abilities as someone of the same level, even if you have a 12 in charisma and they have an 18. Yeah. And because it's I a bard, because this is a bard specific thing. Exactly. So uh, all bards are on the same level for this sort of uh, mechanic. It's it's interesting. So I mostly like it. Yeah, I mostly like I like that. Uh, I, I know some people won't like that. It uses your reaction to do it. Um, <sighs> I I get that uh, because cutting words also. Is a reaction thing, yeah, but you don't um, get that till later. And I know anyway. that's that's been changed some too. And that's uh, only lore bards, if I remember correctly. It might be. I believe you're right. I believe it's for this this subclass. Um, I I love that it's something that you do. It, it's not something that you. It, okay, let me see if I can rearrange my thoughts here. <laughs> okay. So previous previous inspiration, you give someone something and they can use it anytime within 10 minutes. Yes. And so sometimes the uses for that, like you usually don't know if you got it or not. You just kind of have to intuit. Uh, that sounds low. I'm going to use my bardic inspiration to try and, and up this. Yeah. Uh, but it does give more flexibility because you don't have to be within what it is it like 30 or 60 feet of the bard. Yeah. That's if you give it to, yeah. So you don't have to be within 30 or 60 feet currently if you were given it and then you use it within that 10 minutes. It is sometimes very easy to forget to use it mm -hmm. currently. Yeah, um, but so I that's, mean the, the thing that's not changing is that that's still baked in. That's still there. So this is just additional on top of that, which makes it so much better. And it, it is within 60 feet and it's just a, basically a boost to a D 20 roll or a, a, you know, a little bit of health coming back. Yeah. Cause from what I understand and correct me if I'm wrong, you don't give it to people for 10 minutes anymore. It's just a straight up. You use it as a reaction. I feel like when I watched the video, you still gave it to people, but I might be wrong on that. I'm, I'm reading for... through it. Okay. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it is. Yeah. I don't think you give it to people anymore. Oh, so there's, there's pros and cons to that, right? Because giving it to someone allowed them a little more agency mm -hmm. about around when they were going to use it. Uh, I know one of the reasonings was a lot of times people forgot 
to use it because um, it was a 10 minute thing. So good and bad there. So yeah. there's 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 some trade offs. Um, I like that the new version is a after failure to try and make it a success. Yeah, I like I like that more because it doesn't feel like you're wasting resources or at least there the potential is there to not waste. Yep, I I do agree with that. And um, I mean, yeah, giving them inspiration so that they can go run off to the other side of town to do something for one extra roll. Like, yeah, I can see losing that kind of not being super great. But at the same time, um, I I actually prefer this new way more so because I feel like the, the bar themselves has more control over their abilities with this. Yes. I, I think overall, I like this new one where we're moving from a bonus action uh, to a reaction, mm-hmm. uh, which gives them a few more reaction things to do because they do have a lot of bonus action stuff they can do. So I, th- I think that's good. I don't like the heal on it. Really? I don't. Because right now um, with Tasha's, um, you can use that Bardic Inspiration as extra healing to a healing spell. So I think it might be kind of piggybacking off of that. And in overall, it's just, I don't know. I mean, you're not going to get much. I think it's more, it's more the, it's more right. There are so many, it it is so easy once you past your first level or two it is so easy to not die i think having a bard in your party and then having this especially once you're in a few levels could get really poppy because as a reaction after someone goes down and takes the damage then you could pop them right back up you could with the heal i i i do see that i actually think that that's kind of an advantage um i mean as a dm yeah that might be a little weird, but they're still getting at most 12 hit points. If you're in a thing in a fight where something is, you know, bringing you down and actually dropping you 12 probably isn't going to be a whole ton because 12 hit points is at gosh. Um, it's not, it's, it's like a healing 15. word. So it's like, yeah. it's like a healing word. Yeah. It, it's, it's just another, another like cheat death mechanism. And I, I, as a DM, because someone who's primarily a DM, I feel like there's so many cheat death mechanisms already between healing spells or various mechanics that pop you back up or, you know, those types of things. I don't know if a bard necessarily needs that. Yeah, that's 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 my that that would be my feedback. I can see it as you inspire them to fight a little bit longer. I'm personally, I'm okay with it. Uh, But speaking of healing with the bard, one thing that is a huge change, which I am fully in support of is uh, at second level bards get the songs of restoration. And instead of again, having to choose, okay, well I'm going to prepare a healing spell um, starting at level two, you always have healing word prepared just going forward. So it doesn't actually use one of your, your prepared spells that you choose at fourth level, less a restoration, sixth level mass healing word. And, and it goes up through uh, level 10 to greater restoration. And I absolutely love this because, um, you know, when we started plus five before, you know, we got our full group in, uh, Oh, sorry. When we started rhyme of the frost before we got our full group in, 
as the bard, I was essentially the only healer that we had. And I chose two of my known spells as healing word and cure wounds. And that took a lot of, you know, versatility or utility out of me because I'm just the healer here. And, you know, now we have a druid with us as well, so we can kind of share that duty. But having it go against my prepared spells would kind of be a bummer when a bard's sole job is really not to heal. But being there yeah. is kind of like a clutch in in the the, you know, like when you're really, you know, in the weeds. Though this this UA seems to. It feels like they are definitely pushing the bard toward a much more support mm-hmm. based class than it is now. Yeah. Well, I mean, bards really kind of are a support class. It is a little bit more dependent on the college that you choose. But like as a lore bard, as they're baking the support into the base class. Yeah. As a lore bard right now, I am literally a support class. That's what I do. I I'm here to buff. I'm here to debuff. That's, that's kind of the whole job. So, yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's very interesting. I think overall, I like it. I agree. Overall. I like it. Um, a lot of, a lot of what they're doing, at least so far with the preparing of spells is kind of interesting. And that could almost be a whole other side discussion. I, I kind of enjoyed I, I don't did I don't necessarily enjoy the limited amount of spells that a few of the classes can get because then it feels like everyone is you have to like agonize over mm-hmm. <laughs> which which one you pick. But I do appreciate some classes not preparing spells as well at the same time. It, because it flavors it, your, your character a lot. It it does flavor your character and it removes an element of complexity yeah in a lot of ways because now oh my gosh now i have to look through my whole spell list and see what i'm going to prepare this morning or whatever um that's something that didn't exist before for certain classes and honestly i think that's a strength well in some ways and this is only for the bard and and by the way the ranger has this now too um is prepared preparing yeah, we haven't gone to the the mage classes yet. I mean, that's kind of a big difference between a sorcerer and a wizard. So I'm interested to see does the sorcerer have just the set spells or the known spells as yeah. opposed to the or if it's something they're going to try and push everything mm-hmm. to. And I don't think they should. Honestly, yeah, I like I I'm fully okay with allowing maybe. Yeah, you can pick two per level now or to every other level or you know something like that that mm-hmm. lets you get a few more and i mean uh the the ritual piece may help with this a little bit too but i like i like the idea that maybe you can get a few more to allow yourself to be more rounded but i do appreciate some classes not having to prepare. yeah because i i don't see just the pure casters the sorcerer the warlock and the wizard doing this it it doesn't seem to make sense to to me for them because again at that point what's the difference between a wizard and a sorcerer is just where you get your magic from but if a wizard doesn't have to learn new spells there's no need for a spell book there's no need for um you know that sort of i mean a wizard's kind of a hybrid right now right you learn like two spells per level or a new spell per level or but you you still have to but you still have to prepare them Mm mm-hmm 
because you only have a certain amount that you can prepare each day, but you're not choosing from the entire the entire list. list. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas like cleric, you choose from your whole cleric list. Yeah. Same with and paladins and druids. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I hope that they leave. I leave some uniqueness. Uh, one of the things that I really don't want to see is too much like class homogenization. Yeah. And because like or like all the all the classes get all the arcane spells or you know whatever like the there needs to be some sorcerer specific spells that only sorcerers get that yeah. maybe bards can steal from with magical secrets there needs to be some wizard spells that only wizards get and druid spells that only druids get and cleric and so on and so forth i i'm still a very big fan of classes getting class specific mm-hmm stuff yeah i don't want to see it over over homogenized a little bit is great a little proliferation is great but like i said i I really hope we see some classes remain with that you don't have to prepare you just pick and you know what you know well yeah and that's why in fifth edition we have the feat magic initiate and then you choose warlock or something you choose a couple of their their specific spells and and stuff so um yeah i can still see that as something going forward And, and like i said i really think that the mages group of classes is still going to have that, that set limits where the, they either choose their spells or, you know, choose from what they know in their book or something like as a wizard would. Yeah. Cause I, I just can't see them changing it so much that they just have access to everything. Yeah. And that's, and that's the hard thing about this is these are dropping not all together. Yeah, exactly. So all you you can't, you it's this is very all these things very much end up being in a vacuum. Yeah. So it's it's just one of those things where you can you can only speculate on things you don't know about or just based on what you've seen so far. But just from these types of things, I do. I, I don't know if I'm necessarily full, you know, gung ho on everyone prepares everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. And that goes for the ranger, too, which let's let's talk about the ranger a little bit. Um Rangers get spellcasting from level one now. Yep. Huge and, difference. And prepared spells. So spellcasting is being made a core component of the ranger where it was just kind of like a little side thing before. Uh, that's big. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways it's cool, but in other ways, I would almost rather see something else as a core mechanism of ranger beside just spells. I don't know what exactly that's the thing. That's the thing. I don't know. Like that's one of those things where I look at it and I like, I can't quite nail down exactly what it is they need. Like spellcasting at level one. That's cool. That helps. Mm -hmm. Rangers are typically considered one of the more uh, in a honestly fairly well-balanced set. One of the more underpowered classes. Um, and so just kind of looking at them, I, I don't think spell casting should be their main thing. Like it's getting added to be more core, which is fine. But I feel like some uh, rangers need something more rangery to be their core thing. And, and like currently, I, I mean, I totally agree. And I really feel like for rangers, it really does come down to their subclass more than anything else. And the fact that they don't have access to that until the third level is kind of an issue. Um, having played a ranger and 
kind of having to go melee and being, you know, different than what I was expecting to do. Um, it just, you know, it, 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 it made the class kind of different for me. And then overall, again, the spells, they're so limited that they don't really have much effect. They're more of an enhancement to your abilities than like, like, like you're, you're not casting the spell to do damage. You're casting the spell to add on to like an arrow attack or a slashing attack or something along those lines. So it, yeah. it, it's really more enhancement than anything else so like in that instance yeah it works but again you have so few spell slots that it's really not kind of what you're going for so it really does go along with the subclass for the most part which yeah. is kind of a bummer yeah and to be honest like i don't think i would mind if every class got their subclass at level one yeah in fact i feel like that would be better in a lot of ways because I think that would add some needed extra power to level one. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There's a reason why the most dangerous levels are like 20 and one because one hit will kill you in one. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would honestly say level one and level two are the most dangerous levels in five mm E. -hmm. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Um, but uh, jumping back to the Rangers, um, something that is actually really cool that they're they're changing overall for everybody, though, is how uh, like two weapon fighting works. Um, this is a good change. Yeah. So before it was OK, if you have a we weapon in one hand and a weapon in the other hand, you attack with the first weapon and then your bonus action, you attack with the second weapon, but you don't have any of your uh, add ons for it. So, you know, like your proficiency bonus, any strength or dexterity bonuses as well. Um, unless you take the feat to weapon fighting. So big difference there. Now, if you have a light weapon in each hand, or I think it's just a light weapon in, in like your offhand or whatever, um, you do your main attack. And then as part of the attack, you can do that second attack. And you just don't add the damage modifier like before. Exactly. But and it doesn't use your bonus action. Economy. Yeah, it's a huge difference there, which I think is great. Um, there've been so many times where as a ranger, you know, without having two weapon fighting, I, I want to go through an attack, but it's like, okay, I've got other bonus actions that I want to do, but I need to do this damage. I, I, you know, I've got to attack. You don't really have that much choice. So this gives you, or this opens it up so that you have more that you can do as a bonus action and still do your, your really cool, you know, spinny flashy two weapon fighting. Yeah. And it, it works out too. They beefed up hunter's mark. Mm -hmm. uh, it's automatic now. You don't have to use a spell slot or anything for it. Uh, it's just its its own thing. Uh, so when is your favorite like, enemy? The favorite favorite enemy. Yep. So it's 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 kind of its own thing. You don't have to because favorite enemy is like the optional rule. I, maybe from Tasha's. Uh, I don't remember exactly where that came in, but that that sounds about right. Um, so being able to do something like that. Uh, hunters had a very contested that, bonus action economy. <laughs> uh, by the way, the hunters mark thing, that's only for hunter ranger hunters. And that's at level six. It's hunters lore. Hunters lore. Yeah. So there's their six level boost um, for their subclass. Isn't that just the ability that lets you see the extra stuff? Uh, oh, no, you're right. Sorry. Totally. Yeah. First level is favorite enemy. A favorite enemy basically just 
makes the hunter's mark spell always prepared and it doesn't count against the number of spells you can prepare and you don't have to concentrate on it anymore it lasts for the full duration uh until you end it as a bonus action yep no you're right totally mix those up that's how it was in uh um fourth edition which was pretty cool back in fourth edition one of the few things i really enjoyed about it yeah but yeah, so so that's so that's all really cool. Um, so I think that is that was a much needed change, much needed buff, along with the the two weapon fighting. Big thumbs up. Uh, I mean, spellcasting at one. Yeah, I mean, that's still good. Yeah. I, I, I still a thumbs up. I still just think hunters are mi- or, or rangers are missing something that is like a core ranger mechanic that I agree with. Um, however, a plus side is that okay so rangers choose you know their fighting style at level two so you know you do archery defense two weapon fighting what's really cool is that those are actually now feats as well so at later levels you can choose an additional fighting style to go along with it if you want to which i think is actually pretty cool as a as an yeah, extra bonus super there. cool super cool yeah and we should make note that your ability score increases are just feats now yeah so anything you do at one of your one of your uh like where you would have just gotten an ability score upgrade before they're baking it in because remember feats technically are an optional rule yes in the current thing it's so at least as far as we have now in one D, it's just feats and that's mm-hmm. the rule and an ability score upgrade for plus two or plus one plus one is just another feat exactly and i think that one, it makes it less confusing as you're leveling up a character because I don't know how Agreed. many times people have been like, wait, what's going on here? Um, but even more so by categorizing a lot of stuff as feats, they give characters a lot more versatility as well. I, I'm actually really excited about that change specifically. Yeah, yeah, I like I like that they're baking it in and just going, OK, yes, feats. It's a it's a thing. It's a thing that you can choose uh, and it's baked into the core rules. It's not not just an optional add on. Yeah. Um, and then last off, one of the things that they talked about, um, at least on the video that we saw, it's it's not specifically um, in the uh, uh, UA that I saw. It could be in there, but I didn't read every word for word. Um, but w- at least with Rangers, they're starting something at a higher level where you can actually down level your spells. So right now, you know, you can cast a spell with a higher spell slot and then you, you'll get like an extra damage die or something along those lines. Well, with Rangers, they're starting with being like something like i don't know around what a third or fourth level spell slot or something like that like uh barrage if you need to do like say less damage you can downgrade your spell slot so that you have you know one less damage die that you're putting in there which that's kind of an interesting thing to do i mean we'll we'll see how it goes i mean can you imagine a, a, a wizard wanting to th- throw a smaller fireball or something with like less damage yeah, it, it seems like like that's a, one of those very experimental things because mm-hmm. like it's listed under under hunter under the subclass tenth level multi attack. You can now always you now always have conjure barrage prepared, and it doesn't count against the number of spells you can prepare. And then it, you can also cast it with a first or second level spell slot. And when you do, the spell's damage is reduced by a d8 mm-hmm. for each slot below two, so it, uh, below three. So it's a very specific subclass 
10th level thing right now. It's not like an across the board thing, though. It, I mean, it's interesting. It's certainly very interesting. Could be. Um, it could be very interesting if that became like just a regular rule for spell casting. Because we have upcasting. Why would you not have downcasting? Why could you not cast fireball? It, it might. I, I don't know if it'll be one of those things. Oh, that might be too confusing. You know, blah, blah, blah. I could potentially see something like that. It, uh, it could have heard it. But you would still have to know the spell to be able to downcast. Yeah, it. exactly. You wouldn't be able to cast so, fireball at level one with the first level spell if you don't exactly. have access to it. Yep. And because you would have you could potentially have a spells learned level and then downcast about it. So it's they, they seem to be playing with it. Uh, don't know if it'll be a big thing or not, but it's certainly interesting from a conservation of resources. Yeah. Perspective. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought that's interesting. Um, and then finally rogue. Uh, so rogues, they actually even said in the video they released, they're not touching it a ton. Yeah. Like they feel like rogues are in a pretty good spot. Uh, they're, they're not going to touch it. I will make note that they reverted in this UA all of their uh, critical changes uh, from the original UA mm-hmm. back to back to the current version, which big thumbs up from me. I was not a fan of the proposed or the, the play test crit changes. Exactly. From the from the original that it rolling less dice is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> for mm-hmm. anybody, uh, especially as a DM getting getting crits taken away, because those can make battles a little more swingy and interesting, in my my opinion. Yeah. Um, when your monsters can crit. So, um, yeah, like we said, the uh, the rogue, not a lot changed. Um, some of the things kind of changed what level they're at. They, you know, kind of shuffle things around a little bit. Uh, but one thing that they they did kind of point out, which I thought was really cool, was subtle strikes at level 13. Um, I I think that this is actually really cool. Uh, basically whenever, you know, an enemy is engaged with an ally, you have advantage. So you just, it's just automatic sneak attack going forward. And I think that that is actually pretty cool because you get sneak attack on any attack with advantage, which is how it normally is. And then right now they do have the same addition where, you know, if, um, that enemy is engaged with an ally, you get your sneak attack but not necessarily advantage. So this just gives you that extra little chance of getting a crit, which I think is pretty cool. Also the thief subclass is pretty neat. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. They, they definitely added, added a lot of, a lot of really interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I was trying to think if there's anything else big I wanted to point out. Um, They had talked about, uh, I was looking through some of the conditions. This this one was kind of interesting. Exhausted condition mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. has some change on it. Uh, when you're subjected to the exhausted condition, uh, known in the older books as exhaustion, you experience the following effects. The condition is cumulative. You, each time you receive it, you've gained one level, and you die if your exhaustion level exceeds 10, which right now, exhaustion is 5. So yeah. that is that is a change automatically. Uh, and then exhaustion instead of it seems like instead of all the different levels that we have, like the, the having of speed, the disadvantage instead now uh, when you make a D20 test, you just subtract your exhaustion level from the roll. 
and you subtract your exhaustion level from spell save DCs of any spell you cast. Yeah, which I kind of like that better, actually. It It is a, an automatic representation of everything you're doing is being affected by this, which is yeah, good. like your spells are easier to save against your uh, stuff. Can't hit as easily. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then finishing a long rest removes one level of exhaustion. Yeah, that's just that's a normal thing right now. So I, in a lot of ways, I do kind of like it because uh, it will allow exhaustion, I think, to be used a little more offensively, mm-hmm. uh, potentially by enemies or potentially uh, from different abilities. Uh, exhaustion might be given. Uh, I'd be less afraid to do it because once you hit exhaustion level like two or three, you're useless. In the current- in the current system, you're useless. Like yeah. once it once you hit disadvantage on like all your attacks. And when I, as soon as your movement hits half, like it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's incredibly rough. So this streamlines it a lot and still has a noticeable effect once you start getting several levels of it, especially for spell save. Mm-hmm. You see, that's that is that's a, a huge one. Yeah, because that wasn't affected before at all. Yeah. So I, I kind of like it. I kind of like that new implementation. I thought that was that was interesting. Um, guidance also got changed. Uh, and I think it's one of those things. <laughs> it was not working as intended. Is, is that what you want to say? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you just kind of use it because it was always available. Now it's based on. uh it's a once per day per person. once per long rest. Yeah. yeah. Which I think on one hand, it's a cantrip. Right. Mm-hmm. So that kind of makes sense. the other hand, uh, that seems incredibly tiny for a single D four to take a whole, use a whole spell slot or a whole cantrip slot for. Yeah. I feel like there needs to be a middle ground between I'm just spamming it constantly, especially while I'm not in combat, like every non-combat thing. Guidance, 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 guidance. (laughs) I give you guidance. Uh, I feel like we need a balance between that and you can do that one time per person per day. Yeah. I, as someone who sees guidance happen a lot in my game, which I, I don't have a problem with it because I mean, yeah, I just kind of a four it. is it is really what it a is. big deal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of there, but I get not really wanting it for every single role. Cause that's all, always an additional plus one at the very least. So it like, I can see where it's a problem if it's completely spammed tons and tons. Um, in fact, it's funny because I never really realized this until there was some critical role, like one shot where one of the players, it wasn't one of the normal cast. They started using guidance with a lot of the roles and I'm like, can they do this? This seems like they're cheating and Oh no, it says written. So yeah, Yeah. I I can see. Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like they went totally the opposite direction. My thinking is maybe base it on proficiency bonus per long rest. Yeah, I think that could work or you can like cast it that many times or something. Yeah, because I like I like 
the proficiency bonus more because it makes it a little weaker at the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, because then you could only do it twice per day instead of once per party member, which depending on how many party members you have, that fluctuates the strength, whereas proficiency bonus keeps it the same power regardless. Yeah. And, and Whereas if of, I have more party members, technically it's stronger than if I have less. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, if you, if you look at it this way too, um, as you level up, your cantrips become more powerful. So it makes sense to, you know, at tie it to the proficiency bonus. I, I do like Agreed. that. Agreed. So yeah, I, I think maybe leave it in this, in this form, but tie it to proficiency bonus instead of once per player. Cause then you don't have to keep track of which players you've used it on mm -hmm. and which ones you don't. Exactly. Just, just have it be a proficiency bonus. Call it a day. Yeah. And that then you can spam it quote unquote, a little bit more, especially <laughs> mid to higher levels, but not have it feel completely worthless. Exactly. Uh, I think there's two more things I wanted to mention. Uh, before we move on one. Uh, so heroic inspiration. This is like the DM inspiration. Mm -hmm. uh, they changed it again. Uh, so if you recall last time, there were several ways you could get it like rolling a 20 and the, the, there are a few different ways that you could get it. Like and they also human. changed. They also changed back the 20 auto auto succeed one auto fail changes they made mm -hmm. in, in the first UA, which I I'm good good with i i wasn't i wasn't a huge fan of necessarily calling that out um this one is you gain a heroic inspiration or dm inspiration uh when you roll a one yeah it's kind of the same thing i, I like it a little better than getting it when you roll a 20 because that just feels like success on top of success. Yeah. Um, this heroic inspiration represents a character's resolve to do better after fumbling an attempt. I think yeah. that's more interesting. If you want to, if they're really wanting to work this in mechanically, mm -hmm. which I don't know if you really need to or not, but if you're wanting to work it in mechanically, I think this is a better way to do it. Yeah. You can only have one at a time. You don't get it after a long rest or whatever anymore. Um, I'm not I'm not a fan of these being super prolific and everyone basically constantly having one. But I think tying it to a one, unless you're just <laughs> have a really bad roll night, in which case it might be nice to to be able to have a, an inspiration. I think this makes more sense. Yeah. And on your next one, you can just roll and use your inspiration. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it, it makes more sense than a 20. I agree. I still don't know if we need a mechanic in the game for it, but eh, we'll see how it goes. And, you know, as always with everything, you can always just homebrew, reject the rule if you want. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the other thing, there's a new action called the study action. And oh. I actually really like this. This is really cool. When you take the study action, you make an intelligence check to study your memory, a book, a creature, a clue, an object, or another source of knowledge and call to mind an important piece of information about it. The areas of knowledge, the areas of knowledge table suggest which skills are applicable when you take this action, depending on the area of knowledge the intelligence check is about. Uh, so this is cool. So like arcana skill, and then it has just examples like spells, magic items, 
magic traditions, whatever, history, historic events, uh, war, certain creatures, investigation, you know, ciphers, riddles, nature, terrain, flora, weather, uh, religion, deities, religious hierarchies, holy symbols, etc. So I love that this is in here because this gives, because right now, whenever someone wants something, the DM kind of has to pull it out of their butt. <laughs> yeah. As far as as far as holy crap, what is applicable to this? Or or the character is like, uh, can I roll a history check for this specific thing? And and Zadim, you're just like, oh man, that doesn't quite fit though in this situation. So instead, this is really great because this helps it keeps it open while providing more guidance. And I think more guidance in certain areas while keeping things open is very good from a DM perspective, especially new DM perspective. So in this case, the player would go, I want to take the study action on X thing. And then you, okay. Then you can go, okay, cool. You consult the table or just depending on how much experience you have go, okay, that would be an investigation check. That would be a history check an arcana check a nature check a religion check. And those are your five skills that you have for this study action. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And one of those big things like, uh, specifically like ciphers, riddles, gadgetry that totally didn't have any place to me, like in, in, you know, where to roll for. So, um, you know, I kind of haphazardly like history would be something like that. You know, have you heard of a device like this or, you know, something like that, but investigation totally makes sense where, you know, if you're, uh, looking into something specifically like, you know, a, a gadget or a thing or, or like you have an interest in science or something like that, like things like that would totally make sense in, in putting it under that. I, I really like that. And like you said, categorizing it helps everybody going forward and it does still leave room for other stuff in there. I really enjoy that. So, um, one last thing that I really wanted to talk yeah. about, um, just that I kind of saw, um, I don't know if this is just specifically because we're going over the expert classes, which is what it could be. But a lot of the feats that they did have as examples on this also had an ability score upgrade. Um, now, that's not unheard of right now in fifth edition. There are a lot of different things that do, um, you know, like, oh, you get an extra point to charisma or strength or whatever. But almost every single one that they had in this UA had that extra ability modifier or uh, ability boost. And I believe they mentioned that uh, in the videos a little okay. bit uh, where they said they wanted to to give that a little bit of an ability boost. So these aren't going to be plus twos. Mm -hmm. These are going to be plus ones. But they wanted to give a little bit of that with the non double ability score feats to make you feel a little better about taking feats in general. And I'm sure there'll be some fairly strong feats that don't have an ability score upgrade to them at all. But it, 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 I got the impression at least that they wanted a lot of them to, to have that mm -hmm. so that they can just move in to those things. Uh, and I don't know, like I said, so people don't feel like they are, are getting shortchanged yeah. for, for not taking the plus two. Exactly. And, you know, that's one of the things that as I've gone through and looked at feats as I've been leveling up, um, you know, if if I'm at an odd uh, or like I only have one ability that's at an odd number, I kind of feel weird taking a 
uh, a two point ability score because it's just creating another odd number. Because as you know, every even number gives you that um, uh, bonus. So, you know, if you can go through, find one that has just a plus one, but it's a feat. I think it works out pretty well. I'm actually really excited that they have kind of um, done this because, yeah, sometimes those feats, as neat as they are, don't give you as much. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm definitely a big fan of that change for sure. I think I think there'll be a lot of a lot of really uh, cool design space that they can do. And from the sound of things, too, and I think this was in one of the videos, potentially, they said they wanted to make feats more active mm-hmm. and less passive. And I'm a big fan of that kind of thinking and that design change, too, because I believe at least in the current uh, in their current thinking, everybody gets a feat at first level. Yeah. And so I, I like that because especially if a lot of your feats level one feats in particular, because remember feats are, are some of them are level based um, and will have level requirements for them. They're kind of been grouping them into level chunks. Uh, I, I like that because that'll provide a little boost of power for your level one characters uh, and another cool thing they can do because unless they change something, not every class gets their subclass at level one, which the subclasses usually bring extra mechanics. And so especially for those classes that don't get their subclasses at level one, the, an active feat might bring something extra they can do. Mm-hmm. And then you, again, you can base those on proficiency bonuses and then short or long and or long rests. And that just allows you to do more cool stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Overall, I liked it. Uh, Much more. I'm a lot happier with this one than I was with the the first one. Now, mind you, again, we we saw a lot of things that we liked in the first one, but this most of it, I think, is a positive change. And several of the things we disliked, uh, got reverted yeah. <laughs> without, without them even having the full survey feedback or anything yet. So, um, I'm hopefully they've, they've heard like the, the crit stuff, uh, the inspiration stuff and, and a few of those things, but I think there's a lot to like, uh, especially in some of the conditions we mentioned, like the, the new exhausted, I, I think mm-hmm. could be much more interesting Definitely. to play around with much more interesting, uh, and allow you that you to use that mechanically a lot more because there's not a ton of stuff in the current game that causes exhaustion Mm -hmm. it really isn't just when the dm kind of decides yeah it's it's yeah for the most part it's a it's kind of a dm feel thing it's like ah you haven't slept for x amount of time yeah you're exhausted or you just got revivified or whatever after the battle you gain two levels of exhaustion whatever yeah it's it's really it's really dm centric i feel like right now like there are a few abilities here and there that cause it but it's it's incredibly limited so having like 10 levels and having it be a little less detrimental but stacking could make for uh very interesting mechanics or allow abilities of monsters or whatever to cause exhaustion and not have it just be like, oh, I got hit by this monster three times. I'm at three stacks of exhaustion. 
that means my movement is halved. I'm disadvantaged on all ability checks. And now I'm disadvantaged on all like my attack rolls <laughs> and saving throws or whatever that, that it just feels absolutely horrible. Whereas the minus is much simpler more streamlined, easier to keep track of. And I think in some ways, a better representation of what you would want exhaustion to be. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, that is it. Uh, like, like I said, these these unearthed arcanas have been big, big drops, and so it, I think it's worthwhile to take an episode to kind of cover them, give thoughts, uh, give some feedback. Of course, when the surveys drop, that's where you we can we can talk about it on Twitter. We can talk about it on the podcast all mm-hmm. the time. The surveys, and they've been saying this constantly, are the main source of feedback. So a lot of what Ben and I talked about, we will probably be putting in the surveys when the the survey for this drops, which it hasn't yet. It just came out recently, Uh, but be watching for that and make sure you get that survey. And it sounds like they got like 40,000 survey responses, which I don't know if that's high. That sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty high for a for a single test. So hopefully they'll continue to get uh lots of feedback mm-hmm. uh and with the community make these tweaks and make what is a good system even better yeah and the survey for the expert classes is actually going to be opening october 20th perfect perfect so uh got a little over a week to hey. continue reviewing before the survey drops and then usually they're open for a few weeks as well all right with that out of the way um Let's jump down to our community content shout out. So Ben, you had some stuff yeah. this week. Um, you know, Twitter is a great thing to find random stuff. Uh, I actually really uh, uh, am pretty happy with this one I found. It's uh, by Never Ending Incorporated. It's a Kickstarter um, called, and I'm going to totally probably say this wrong, but uh, I want to say Anansi's uh, Tapestry of Lives. Um, so it's got, uh, as of time of recording 17 days to go. And basically what this is, is it's a book full of, uh, a hundred plus NPCs. Now, if you have trouble, you know, kind of coming up with NPCs, trying to figure out things about them and stuff, this might be something that you want to back. Um, essentially it's a hundred NPCs. They've got stat blocks. They have, um, uh, backstories. They've got different personalities. They have goals. They have quirks. So it's like a fully fleshed out, developed NPC over a hundred of them. And on top of that too, it actually includes voice acted monologues to kind of give you a feel of the NPC. I, I, it's just something that is unique and new and interesting. And I think it's going to be kind of cool. I mean, if you need people to fill in your world, here's a hundred of them right away. I haven't had a chance yeah. to uh, back. That sounds super cool. I'm going to. And I am really looking forward to this because like I love making up NPCs and everything. But sometimes when you really need to think of something really good and fast, flipping open a book might be the best way to do it. So, I mean, yeah. honestly, I love I love the, the voice acting piece. That's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Something that you could play when the characters introduced. Or, or a line or quips or, you know, I don't know exactly how they're going to do it, but it, I feel like that's kind of a neat new thing that really hasn't been done before for most like third party 
or content I've seen. Exactly. And I mean, just think about it. It gives you that personality of the character right away with that introduction to him and stuff. And I mean, it just kind of going through their, their page and everything. There's a lot of really, you know, rich characters that they've already just kind of talking about. Um, but you know, different cool like uh, storyteller tools that they have with like, you know, just the stats, uh, different inventories, and there's new magic items that they've created. I mean, just, you know, really cool stuff in here. So again, I really recommend that you kind of check it out. Uh, we'll have a link to it in our uh, notes as we always do. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, I like, I like that and helpful for the, the DM mm-hmm. as well. To get an idea of the the maybe the voice if you, if that's your thing or but more <laughs> personality uh and uh characteristics of the character mm-hmm. yeah very cool uh and then there's something else as well that yeah. is right up your alley oh, insanely I say so. as i look at all the legos <laughs> behind you yeah so um there, there's something called Lego ideas. I don't know if uh, you've heard about this, but basically they're um, sets that are created by just Lego fans. You know, they'll put something together, they submit it and then it goes through a review process. And there's a chance that it can actually become an official Lego set. Um, actually, most recently uh, the, the office set from, you know, the show, the office that came out in Lego form. In fact, I just put it together yesterday. Um, that came from a Lego ideas set, you know, someone kind of put it up, uh, submitted it, got all the votes that it needed to be reviewed. They reviewed it. They found out that it was something they could make. Then Lego would go in and, you know, kind of do their tweaks, make it a little better, improve upon it. And then boom, it's a set to, that can be sold. Well, now they're doing a 50 years of dungeons and dragons. So this is something that's really cool. I'm already know that I'm going to buy whatever set comes out of this, but it's a new process um, specifically for D and D submissions, because it's not like a quarterly process that they've been doing for all these other sets. This is a um, ideas. They're, they're taking ideas through November 14th. Uh, they're going to be reviewing them from the 14th or November 28th. The crowd's going to vote from the 28th to the 12th. And then on December 19th, we find out what D and D Lego set is going to be released. So if you like the idea of throwing something together and submitting it, now's really the time to do it. Um, there's, uh, you know, entries that are already in here that are really cool. There's a lot of beholders. Um, <laughs> recommend kind of taking a look at those. Unsurprising. Uh, there needs to be more, needs more dragons. Yeah. The mimics are cool. Some of the dragons that are in here are neat. There's like wizard towers. Um, there, there's, there's some really cool stuff in here. Like, seriously, those mimics are amazing. Uh, there's like a diorama that has a dragon head, some, you know, adventurers and like a beholder and stuff. So yeah, definitely check this out. Um, someone's actually even submitted like modular dungeon sets. It's kind of put together. So yeah, well, again, we'll have a link to that in the notes. If you're a huge Lego fan like myself, like at least in the very least, take a look at it. If you can build something and submit it even better, but, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, it's as someone who also loves Legos. Probably be high on my list to mm-hmm. get whatever, whatever they do, because all all those Lego sets that come out of Lego ideas usually end up being pretty dang cool. Yeah, in fact, that's like kind of so. OK, I get a lot of Lego Star Wars, but the Lego ideas are kind of the next you know grouping that I usually get just because they are just incredibly creative and very good. Awesome. 
Well, very cool. Uh, so we'll, like Ben said, we'll have the link to those in the show notes. And then, of course, as always, before we go, uh, we usually talk just a few minutes about what we're doing in our games right now. So, uh, Ben, what do you got going? Well, uh, it's the, the first first ever uh, session of Arc 3. And I was looking forward to this. This is going to be great. Um, my characters had plans to go get this uh, amazing God created relic from uh, a dragon. And so I'm getting prepped and stuff for this. And they're like, Hey, we're going to go to this other city and uh, we're going to do some research. So I'm like, okay. I was kind of surprised <laughs> that we were going to head towards a dragon this session, but uh, whatever. So they went, they teleported back to their home uh, city and uh, you know, kind of went, did some research, talked to somebody, um, Matilda, the 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 magic uh, shop owner, um, you know, gathered some information about things, kind of talked about things that were happening, and uh, then we ended up doing something that I wasn't expecting. And if you remember uh, the story of Gilly Underfoot, the the cleric who was with them, who they don't remember because it was eaten by a false hydra, uh, they ended up having like a memorial for her. And it was pretty cool. They ended up uh, kind of gathering some money, putting a, a, a fund together um, at the Temple of Bahamuts to kind of, you know, uh, have that available for like up and coming uh, clerics or initiates and everything. And it turned out to be like really sweet and kind of a a, a bittersweet moment. It was uh, apparently really needed, which I didn't uh, I didn't expect. And it kind of just came up out of the blue. So it was a good session. I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of good role playing going on. Um, and, uh, yeah. So they spent time teleported. I think they teleported back to trade more by the end of that. And then they're going to go ahead and, uh, uh, ask a couple more questions of, uh, their benefactor there and then head towards a dragon. So yeah, exciting. it's going to be good stuff. Um, what about you? I know that you've been busy concocting and, and running a couple things. I I have. Uh, one group is heading towards uh, a corrupted temple in the jungle. That's my my second campaign. They uh, are making their way there now, uh, along with a couple of Cobran, which are like a race of snake people mm-hmm. that are our custom homebrew for my world that that live there in the jungle. Um, who are helping them out. Uh, they ran across their first obstacles, like living vines that tried to pull them into acid pits. Uh, they ran into a massive mudslide uh, <laughs> where the Warforged character got buried. That was fun, uh, but because it didn't hurt at all because they don't need to eat, sleep or breathe. <laughs> well, that's basically. Good. <laughs> uh, so uh, if anyone is going to get buried, you know, in a massive amount of mud, might as well be a warforged. Uh, <laughs> and then I used the MCDM monster minion rules for the very first time How'd that on an, an encounter. And it was really cool. Like they, this is, this is minion rules. They're free. Actually, uh, you can get them in the free packet from uh flea mortals their new monster book that was on kickstarter Mm -hmm. but you can go to the kickstarter page and download like their little uh preview packet and it has the minion rules in it which the minion rules are super cool incredibly intuitive to run uh 
extremely fun as a dm to like very easy streamlined to keep track of and very fun as player as a player to play against or, or at least so the feedback was uh very very good feedback uh basically it was this uh, slightly custom shambling mound that spawned a ton of these humanoid vine creatures that were roughly in the shapes of uh creatures that had died trying to get up to the temple so oh, they're that's like cool. cobran and human and uh warforged looking ones it, like you know just like echoes of the dead almost type yeah. thing uh so they had to basically get through this mass of vine creatures to this family mound that was spawning them to get him to stop spawning them and focus <laughs> focus its efforts on them uh so that was it was a super cool battle um they ended up being able to do defeat it and they're moving into like the main temple area or what I call the airship graveyard mm-hmm. uh, from a huge battle fought long ago with lots of crashed ships and stuff kind of litter the entry point of this this giant temple. That so, is I'm excited. That's cool. Like you, yeah. you, you got a really good area and landscape and everything going on stuff. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So we're we're doing that Tuesday night. So I'm I'm pretty excited to to get that one going. And then my other group is uh, in the Shadowfell. They are on the road. We are we are doing some travel sessions. We'll probably. My guess is it'll last maybe one, one, maybe two more sessions of mm-hmm. travel before they get to this uh, large town in the Shadowfell where this fortress manor is that has the ruler of this province, uh, my ranger's mother and her captured father. Uh, and also they have found out there's even a small little rebellion type thing oh, really? in the background that they, they accidentally stumbled upon and were able to get uh, a name. So they have a contact once they get there. So I made basically this cool little D20 encounter table that they can roll on for travel, probably, you know, just two or three times a day yeah. type thing. And it's been it's been good. It worked out really well so far. They rolled one of the hardest encounters uh, off of it. The very first thing, because <laughs> this is a level 10, almost level 11 party. Uh, and the, the first encounter they rolled was a Nightwalker, which if you don't know what a Nightwalker is, look it up. Those things are freaking yeah. scary. Oh, yeah. And they had they had kind of seen and encountered one before. So it was kind of a, a fun little callback. And they knew enough about it to go, oh, God, we just need to run. We need to run. And and so the whole combat was super interesting because it involved how do we outrun this thing? Because this thing is basically walking death. It yeah. has this aura that slowly kills you as you're near it. Like you have to either kill it quickly or outrun it. Like you that you cannot have a prolonged battle against this thing or it will absolutely just, just destroy, destroy you. you. Yeah. Um, they did not want to have the, <laughs> this is, they, it was a, it's a painful thing. Uh, our, our wizard was, was brilliant uh, and got a slow off on it. The very first round, these things, not super high wisdom. So uh, I got a slow off on it. Very first round, which, 
really helped them so much. Like that's so that, good. Got MB, MVP for that fight for sure. And the the sorcerer got a polymorph off for giant eagles that they used to mostly escape. Good. Um, good. So yeah, it was it was it was a fun little encounter. Um, the Houndmaster, which is this kind of big villain that's been building up and they've encountered uh, directly and indirectly a few times, is still chasing them. Uh, has kind of found a communication device they left for the the, re- the rebel people, uh, and is communicating once a day in twenty five words <laughs> to them <laughs> very ominously. So that's that's been super fun. Uh, so here this next weekend, we're going to continue this travel through the Shadowfell toward their ultimate destination. That's um, awesome. I'm excited. It's both these both these campaigns have been and tons tons of fun. That's really good. I'm super happy for you, and I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing what else goes on because that's kind of crazy stuff. Yeah, I've it, oh, there's so much. I've got so much. This is I've been looking forward to this arc for quite a while. Um, I've got a lot of really fun stuff. It's incredibly personal for our ranger, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the this party has been together long enough that it is it's personal to her, so it's personal to all of them. So. I'm I'm really excited to see see where that goes. Definitely. Well, that is a show. That yes, is, is a wrap for us tonight. A uh, little a uh, little more discussion than we anticipated on the UA stuff, but uh, hopefully it was interesting. Um, I hopefully it was. gets you think. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully it gets you thinking. Uh, hopefully you go check it out. Um, we'll have the link, of course, and fill out the survey when it drops uh, so that you can help contribute to the future of uh, D&D for the 2024 edition. And of course, before we leave, uh, Ben, why don't you tell everybody where we can be reached? You bet. Um, if you have any uh, questions, comments, or uh, want to share all of your thoughts and, and uh, feelings on the UA, uh, go ahead and send us an email. Those are, or that email address is dndiscussions at gmail.com. Of course, if you have something a bit smaller that, uh, you know, you could fit and say, oh, I don't know, 280 characters. Uh, we are on Twitter. Uh, you can tweet us at dndiscussions. Also, uh, give us a follow while you're there. If you're looking for Ryan specifically, you can find him. He is at TBKZord. If, you if you're looking for me, I am at Ben Bumhofer. Um, now, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more from us, guess what? Uh, there's two ways you can do that. One, by going back and listening to every other episode we've ever done, which is on dndiscussions.com or on your preferred podcast player of choice. Uh, another way to do or to listen to us is actually take a listen to Plus 5 to Hit. It is the persistent campaign that we are playing in. Uh, we are closing or coming close to closing off our first year at Strixhaven. They're going to be jumping back into Rhyme of the Frostbane. And uh, take a listen because I have no idea where we're going with that. So we'll see. Um, yeah, so check that out. Um, again, thank you very much for listening to DN Discussions. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Ryan, always a pleasure. And until next time, everybody, be good to each other. Take care. And we'll see you later.